Hi, this is The Apologist Bookshelf with Gary Zacharias. Thank you for joining me. I have a book that I should have talked about earlier. It's wonderful. Harry Blamiris is the author, and I'm probably butchering his last name, and I apologize. B-L-A-M-I-R-E-S. Could be Blamiris. A book is called The Christian Mind, and the subtitle is How Should a Christian Think? Well, you say, well, do we need to worry about that? I mean, we're a Christian. We're obviously thinking as a Christian, and that's not really true. This, by the way, is a very old book. came out in the 1960s. But for heaven's sakes, I think it's not a case of going out of date. I think this book is becoming more crucial as time goes on. It's uh, Blamiris, or Blamiris. He's a noted scholar and author, and he just looks at some of the weaknesses that are in the modern church. And he says secularism has basically just swept away good, distinctive Christian reasoning. And we've got political correctness coming in, and his voice is calling for recovery of an authentically Christian mind. And uh, here's one uh, Beeson Divinity School uh, person called Calvin Miller. He said, America needs a shot of intellectual insulin directly to its oft-sleepy mind and that uh, the author is calling out Christians to think once again. Here's a professor at Biola. He says, this is the start of contemporary efforts to have us think and live Christianly. Begin here, he says. This is where it began, and don't stop when you're done. Pulpit Helps. I don't know what that is. Is that a magazine? Must reading for those in places of spiritual leadership and in whose hands is born the responsibility for the nurturing of Christians. Well, I think it's for anybody, not just a church leader. So I'll work my way through it. Uh, I'm going to start just at the very beginning. The first section of the book has got a sad title, uh, The Lack of a Christian Mind. The Lack of a Christian Mind. Ouch. And the first chapter is called The Surrender to Secularism. And his opening line really hit me. There is no longer a Christian mind. Oh, he says, basically, modern people have been secularized. He says, the Christian mind has succumbed to what's going on in our society, the secular drift. Well, remember I told you this is an older book. Do you think the secular drift has gotten weaker or stronger since the 1960s? Oh, no doubt about it, it's gotten stronger. He calls it uh, this secular drift, he says, unmatched in Christian history. The complete loss, he says, of intellectual morale in the 20th century church. He says the language almost sounds hysterical and melodramatic, but he said there is no longer a Christian mind. He says, well, there's a Christian ethic, there's a Christian practice, there's a Christian spirituality. He says, um, you know, in moral issues, the modern Christian is different than the non-Christian. So he does things that a non, non-spiritual person would do, that prayer and meditation and but he says, as a thinking being, the modern Christian has succumbed to secularization. That is so sad. So he says basically that the Christian does still involve himself in religion. That's morality and worship and spiritual culture. But he rejects the religious view of life. The view which says, no, we've got to look at all earthly issues within the, within the context of the eternal. And he says uh, it, we should be relating all human problems, social and political problems, cultural problems, we should be relating all of those to the doctrinal foundations of the Christian faith. And we're not doing that. He said, 
just in the small area of thinking having to do with things like personal conduct, he said we Christians in the modern world basically accept a new frame of reference constructed by secularists. And our criteria reflects secular evaluations. He says probably most of the acclaimed thinkers and prophets of our day are non-Christians. And I would stop at that point and have us just think about that. Who do we look to for advice? Where do we get our ideas? We've got a lot of political talking heads that are uh, on the news. Uh, we get a lot of our ideas of pop culture from some pop culture singer or songwriter or something like that. It's, it's really amazing. We're getting all of our ideas from non-Christians. You know, it used to be, and this is me talking, not the author, but it used to be you had people like Jonathan Edwards, you had Christians who were in the forefront of thinking and the forefront of science and really dealing with uh, difficult issues and all, and you don't see that much anymore. That's uh, really sad. He said, no theology lies at uh, uh, rejecting our current materialism, for example. He says, uh, there's no bunch of writers who are reflecting Christianly on the modern world and modern man. Who would you go to? Who would you go to that looks out at the world and says, okay, let's think about this from a Christian perspective. Um, I can think of three or four, but they don't get the kind of complete acceptance like non-Christians do. I think of J. Warner Wallace. I think of Frank Turek. I think of Greg Kokel. <clears throat> Excuse me. John Lennox, another great example. I mean, we do have some people that wrestle with these big issues, but they're few and far between, which is really sad. He says, um, where are we getting any kind of criticism and condemnation of secularism? That's from secularists themselves. So he says, the protest needs to be made, but it should come... And it said it's sad that it's coming from outside the Christian tradition. So we are getting some criticisms, but it's coming elsewhere. And uh, so that, I think that's really sad. So he said, what's the position of the thinking Christian that comes face to face with this cultural, uh, cultural uh, situation? We're not hearing from him. He says, the 20th century works of imaginative literature that have really powerfully impacted people They've been the products of non-Christians. So here are a few of his examples. Let's think of one uh, that, that he comes up with that probably a lot of us would recognize. George Orwell's 1984. So there's criticism of modern society coming from a non-Christian, or Camus' The Plague. And then there's a book, and this one I don't recognize, came from Poland, it's called The Inquisitors, from Andrzejewski. So he said, it's so sad there's no public pool of discourse fed by Christianly committed thought on the world we live in. We're not hearing from Christians about what's going on. And then he challenges us. I think this is really good. He said, why don't you think of some topic of current political importance? Okay, so let's just take a second. Some topic of current political importance. So maybe it's a war that's going on. Maybe it's a political issue. Maybe it's a moral issue like abortion or something like that. So he said, start there. Just think of some topic that's of current political importance. So I'm going to stop right there and I'm going to challenge all of us to do that. I'm not going to do it because I don't want to make this uh, get all tied up about my particular current issue that I think is important. So just take a minute. Think of a topic that's of current political importance. So I'm just going to wait. 
Okay, do you have one? Try to establish in your own mind what you think the right policy would be for that. Okay. And do so while you're totally detached from any political alignment or prejudice. Just, he says, just form your conclusions by thinking Christianly. So in other words, don't come at it by saying, well, what would the Republicans do? What would the Democrats do? What would fill in the blank, you know, some political leader or some book or some television show? What would they say? No, he said, start with some topic. Come up with your own conclusion about how, what the right policy would be, but form your conclusions by thinking Christianly. He says, you know, what's sad is that most of the time the views that people come up with are going to be determined by political allegiance, not Christian allegiance. So he said, uh, it's so sad. He said, we're getting what he calls mental secularization of Christians. So what's he meaning? He's saying that nowadays we meet only as worshiping beings and as moral beings. We don't meet as thinking beings. And uh, I think this is a challenge to all churches. I mean, when, when was the last time in your church you heard somebody mention a book like 1984 or mention something that's going on in our society that's a really controversial issue and the pastor says, here's the Christian perspective. Now, often they do it on things that are obvious issues like abortion, let's say, or homosexuality, but even there, people are a little nervous bringing that kind of stuff up. So we're not hearing it in the church. I think that's pretty sad. Um, okay. <laughs> he says, genuine value judgments are being discounted today. And what's replacing it? Enthusiasm, liveliness, whatever amuses us. He says, those are the qualities. Remember, he wrote this in the 1960s. And it's exactly what's going on today. It's, it's emotions. It's our hearts. Nobody gets mentally and, and uh, intellectually involved in things. The value judgments are discounted. We, we don't think through things carefully. It's all emotions, emotions driven. You know, what you hear today is uh, trust your heart, trust yourself. He says, we've emptied political action of moral content. Wow. Yeah. I think that's absolutely the case. He says, this is not just in political life that we set aside our individual Christian judgment. No. He says, how about in the educational institutions? He said, whether they're Christian or not, just try to think Christianly about educational issues. So he said, think of politics and culture and social life and commercial life. They're all dominated by pragmatic and utilitarian thinking. And there's nothing Christian that's being involved in these things. He says, we 20th century Christians have chosen the way of compromise. We take the Christian consciousness out of the fields of public, commercial, and social life. Our own Christian language is no longer understood by people out there. That's probably partially our fault, so we often use Christian lingo that other people don't get. But we don't, we don't really get into the Christian ways of dealing with things. He said, now it's different when you look at strictly personal morality as opposed to public life. So he said, now you get things like Christians talk about divorce and remarriage and things like that. But he said, we don't hear that kind of Christian dialogue about something like, he says, oh, just for example, advertising. But he says, that's a source of a huge problem. He says, we and, and people around us, we're all being conditioned by advertisers 
to believe that whatever the product is, that's going to make our life wonderful. We're being taught to treat worldly possessions as status symbols rather than things that we're just using to get through life. Yeah, does that sound familiar? Yeah, I agree. Uh, he says there's no Christian mind that touches on grave matters that has a Christian opinion. Can a Christian, here's a question, can a Christian conscientiously work in advertising? Should you work in PR? Hmm. So he says men are not thinking Christianly about advertising or politics. He said just to name two areas, there's no Christian mind there. Now I'd continue that. I mean, think about, let's move beyond advertising and politics. What about in the medical field? What about in education? What about the relationship of men and women, the raising of children? There's just not a Christian mind giving Christian advice in these areas. He said, just think about how little Christian thinking enters into things like nuclear war or just war in general. But we're not hearing what the Christian perspective is on that. So I know I'm, I'm hitting this pretty hard, but uh, there's just we're not hearing and we're not nurturing Christians to think seriously about big issues. So I think um, I will wrap it up at that point. The surrender to secularism, wow, it is happening out there. So here's my, now I'm not, I'm not going any more from the book, but just in my own perspective, we need to be encouraging maybe uh, small groups or Sunday morning groups to be going through books written from a Christian perspective, but dealing with these tough issues of life. We uh, have an apologetics class at our church, and I'm so glad to be involved with that because we do. We get involved with some of these issues, but that doesn't happen in a lot of churches. So my challenge and my hope is that in your church, if it's not you, that you support others who take a Christian perspective on these big issues, going through books, maybe just looking at what's, what are some of the current news items and how does that relate to our Christian life. So that's a challenge, isn't it, to begin nurturing and supporting and, and advocating for a Christian mind in other fields than just morality, which is wonderful, but all of life. How about science? How about transgender thought? These are some issues going on. How about transhumanism? What's the Christian perspective on transhumanism? We need to know those kinds of things. Well, so the book is called The Christian Mind. I'm going to come back to it more than once, but uh, that's my challenge for you to begin thinking more seriously, developing a Christian mind that gets out into the world and interacts with people and says, this is a perspective from a Christian rather than just well, here's what advertisers want me to buy. Okay, well, thanks for uh, listening, and uh, we'll do another podcast, I hope, soon. I hope you have a good week. All right, bye-bye.